Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Well, I am broadcasting to you live today from my bunker. I'm not telling you where it is, but I'm deep underground on location. So we're trying something new today. So here we are, and we are in Ezekiel scroll number 10, part 2. So this is Ezekiel's 10th vision out of 13 visions. This is deep ballistic level right here. Look at this. Look at this. You can see where it's been shot up in the past, but uh, this is Cold War Soviet style. But we're good to go deep here in the Oregon bunker at the coast. I'm not going to give you my exact location, but be that as it may, I'm safe and I pray that you are all safe too, especially out there today. Let's look at Ezekiel Yechezko in the Hebrew And of course, scroll number 10. We're going to be looking at Ezekiel chapter 34 and verse 19 today. But before I get into the vision, I just want to give us a little bit of um, perspective. Um, My perspective, of, of course, being as I get to be the one to teach, what a blessing. But when I first came into the faith, when I first came to know Yahusha, I thought that I was supposed to bring Yahusha into my Western, Western Gentile world. Whether it was my marriage, whether it was my business, whether it was the music I was listening to, the culture that I'm a part of, I was being, okay, I'm going to bring Yahusha into my Western Gentile world. When in reality, it's totally converse of that. I'm supposed to be delivered out of this Western Gentile world and supposed to begin to travel eastward with my thinking, back to a biblical culture. Because this is what the prophet Ezekiel is talking about. In this vision, when he goes to the elders that are by the river Chabar, they have been exiled and he's saying, you have got to make a return. The temple isn't going to come to you. The glory of Yahuwah isn't going to come to you unless you turn back in the direction from whence you came and make teshuva from the root word shuv. It means a return. The problem that we have in the West is we want Jesus to come into our Gentile pagan world and we don't want to make any changes. Well, the problem with that is dilution, Pollution brings forth destitution or spiritual bankruptcy. Now, when we turn and face Yahuwah and we start to travel back to a Hebrew mind view as we approach the Scriptures and we leave the pagan world behind and we start to travel back to his Shabbats, his feasts, his Moedim, that's when the exile begins to happen. And it begins to happen where? From the inside out. It's a return. How can he gather the whole house of Israel from the nations if he doesn't begin by gathering me and you from within yourself? He's got to get your heart, get it circumcised, and then return your heart back to where it once came from, the Creator Yahuwah in heaven. And then everything starts to then be focused on the kingdom of heaven. This is what the prophet Ezekiel wants to communicate to us today. So turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 19. And again, I'm loving it. I'm in the bunker. I'm here and I'm feeling safe and secure and I pray you are wherever you are. Because a lot of people are saying it's going to be, what, World War Three tomorrow? Wasn't that? I've been saying that for years. But, you know, November the 11th, 11-11, and there's all this symbology. I just figured I'd best be safe, you know. Anyway, and as for my flock, they eat that which you have trampled with your feet. They drink that which you have dirtied with your feet. Therefore, this, says the Master Yahuwah to them. See, I, even I, I will judge between fat and lean sheep because you thrust with the side, you thrust with the shoulder and you have pushed, you have pushed and you have taken all the diseased with your horns until you have scattered them 
abroad. And of course, this is the shoddy treatment of the Hebrew slaves during the siege of Jerusalem. There is an apt picture in view here in context. But also we have to look at where we're at today in community or non-community, be as it may, depends where you're at, because this is also addressing those that would want to sow discord and push with side and shoulder, they often end up butting the ones that are weak out of the way. And I can't stand seeing people be emotionally abused, other sheep emotionally abused and convinced to try and leave the pasture when in reality we're supposed to be in the pasture together working out our differences because what? Iron sharpens iron and we want to be gathered together from the exile. Look at chapter 34 and verse 22. Therefore will I save my flock And they shall no more be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set one principal shepherd over them. And he shall feed them, even my servant David. He shall feed them and he, yes, he will be their shepherd. And I, Yahuwah, I will be their Elohim. And my servant David, he will be among them. I, Yahuwah, have spoken it. Of course, this is Moshiach ben Dawid. This is Messiah, the son of David. And verse 25, and I I want us to focus on this because this is powerful, power-packed. This is the prophet Ezekiel. He is delivering a hope and a message. And this is your only way of restoration. We're in the 10th vision here. I mean, things are getting desperate. You and I know there was only 13 visions. We're at number 10. You better buck up, Israel, otherwise you are going to be out here in the nations for thousands of years. And your posterity will have to suffer at the hands of the nations, which is why I'm here in my bunker. Because I'm the posterity, and because these noodles didn't pay attention, here we are stuck in a bat cave deep in the Oregon wilderness. But you know what I'm saying, right? I will make them a Brit of Shalom and I will cause the evil beasts to cease out of the land. This is our hope. This is the deliverance that would come to us. And the Hebrew is emphatic here. I'll give it to you. It's verchate lachen b'chrit shalom. And I will cut with them a covenant of peace. I will cut with them A covenant of peace. Where does that take us to? This takes us to the hope that Paul gave to the Ephesians in chapter 2 verse 12. That at that time, yeah, when you were by the river Chebar or you in Ephesus, at that time you were without Mashiach, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You were scattered, dispersed, and it's all about being gathered in to the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. What did Ezekiel say? I will cut with you a covenant of shalom and we'll learn that that covenant of shalom is a covenant of promise, having no hope and without Yah in the world. But now in Messiah Yahushua, ye who sometimes were far off are made near, are brought nigh, By the blood of Yahushua. So the first thing for our return is we've got to get born again. We have got to come into faith with Yahushua and it's the inward circumcision of the heart. Who's a Jew? You that are circumcised inwardly. It's not an outward manifestation of the flesh, the works of the flesh, but an inward regeneration of the Ruach. For he is our peace. So, so far in Ephesians 12, we've got covenant, promise, and shalom, which is being cut with those scattered in the nations. Is this the answer to Ezekiel 34, verse 25? It certainly is, because Paul, now Rav Shaliak Shaul in the Hebrew, is now ministering this vision to those in Ephesus. This is what we are participants of. 
For he is our shalom who hath made both one. And later on Ezekiel is going to give revelation about the sticks coming into one, isn't he? And he hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity clause. Now what is the enmity clause? What has been abolished? The whole of the Torah, as the antinomian church would say? Heavens forbid! No, it is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. It's not the law of commandments contained in covenant, the book of the covenant that's abolished, but it is the law of commandments that was added because of the sin of the golden calf And they are all contained in ordinances. There is not a blood ratification in the book of the law to make in himself of twain one new man. So making peace and that he might reconcile both unto Yah in one body on the tree. Having slain the enmity. So Yahusha is the answer to this vision. And the only way it's going to happen is by Yahusha circumcising those of us scattered into the nations that thought we were pagan Gentiles, but we're actually the remnant of Israel that is going to be returned through the ushering in of the Holy Spirit. He's going to circumcise our hearts. We're going to come into the covenants of promise because Yahusha has done what? He, in his flesh, has got rid of the enmity clause, which was the book of the law that was added because of transgressions. It is the commandments that are contained in ordinances that Yahusha has taken out of the way, therefore enabling us to get back to the commandments contained in covenant. It is the royal Torah for the returned remnant of Israel. The Shabbat, the feasts, the Moadim, what is biblically clean and proper for us to digest, how to live a holy, sober, kosher lifestyle in a sick and twisted world. This is amazing stuff. Look at verse 34 of Ezekiel and verse, excuse me, verse 25 of chapter 34. And he says, I love this. I love this. And they shall dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. Meaning, we get to lie down with the worker in wood. That great carpenter, that great master craftsman actually enables us to finally lie down in the woods and have shalom. Finally, I get to lie down with the worker in wood, the great carpenter. Look at chapter 34, verse 26. And I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. And I will cause the showers to come down in season, and there shall be showers and blessing. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield her increase. And they shall be safe, safe in their land and shall know that I am Yahuwah. When will we know that he's Yahuwah? When I have broken the chains of their yoke. That's not only the yoke of the pagan nations, but remember how the Talmudim, the disciples, they charged the Jews, those that said they were Jews and that were not. They said, you put a yoke on us that not even our fathers could bear. You're trying to put us under all of your rabbinical decrees and even our fathers couldn't do that. Yahushua said to them, you're not even keeping the law of Moses because if you were, you would know me. But you don't because your father is different than my father. So there's this yoke that has to be broken on both sides of the aisle. It's a yoke of pagan lawlessness But there's also the yoke of rabbinic tradition and the burden of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So we truly are, in this covenant Torah return, we're on a narrow road, aren't we? We're on a very narrow road. 
And that's why we're broadcasting to you from the bunker. Because we are exiles and we are scattered all over the place. And this is what the Father has for us. He's going to deliver us out of the hand of those that made them slaves. For they shall no longer be a prey to the Democrats. I mean the Gentiles. (laughs) They shall no longer be a prey to the liberal fascists. They shall no longer be a prey to the Gentiles, neither shall the beast of the land devour them. They shall dwell safely, and none shall make them afraid. None. And I will raise up for them a planting place of fame, and they shall no longer be consumed with hunger in the land, neither bear the shame of the Gentiles any more. So shall they know that I, Yahweh the Elohim, are with them, and they, the house of Israel, are my people, in the Hebrew, Ami. My people, Ami, says the Master Yahuwah. And you, my flock, the flock of my pasture, are men, and I am your Elohim. That's a dedicated phrase. You, my flock, the flock of my pasture, are men, And I am your Elohim, says the Master Yahweh. Meaning, yes, I know I've compared you and I've compared our relationship to a loving shepherd and his sheep. But you are more than animals. You are the pinnacle of my creation. You are man. But if you continue to stay with this Gentile pagan mindset, You're going to be just like animals and you will be led to the slaughter. So it's really up to you. Come out of her, my people, or stay in exile. So we've preached the wrong message. We've preached the blood instead of the kingdom which is brought through the blood. That's the distinction. Because if you preach just the blood, you are going to be left in the nations under the hammer of the Gentiles. But when you preach the kingdom, which is the blood, then you return from the exile through the power of the blood. It's totally different. And that's what the prophet wants to say. Returning through the blood. But if you immerse yourself, with all of the enticements of the world, the love of the flesh, the pride of life, then you will become like an animal and you will be led to the slaughter by those in the nations. Look at what Yahushua said in Matichahu, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 5. These 12, now of course 12, we know there's 12 tribes of Israel. Yahweh is going to gather all 12 tribes back. Now these 12, Yahushua sent forth and commanded them saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now some translations have this, but go rather to the prostituting sheep of the house of Israel. Because you got caught up in idolatry. But go rather to the prostituting sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, proclaim, saying what? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what's the message? What is it that we're to proclaim? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the only way it came to be is through the blood. But you're not to preach the blood. You're to preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that happened because of the blood. But Yahushua is a gatherer. He is not going to leave you dancing in his blood in the pagan nations. Because after a time it will become corruption, pollution, distortion, or what we call syncretism where you start to mix the things of the pagans with the things of Yah. And it never ends well for Israel. It keeps them out in the nations as exiles. The lost sheep of the house of Ephraim. 
All ten tribes scattered into the nations. And now there's a regathering. Luke chapter 15 verse 4. What man among you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and goes after that which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he is coming home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors and he says to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, that which was lost. That's why I do this. That's why we do this. For that one lost sheep. It can be discouraging. Ministry is the hardest thing you can ever do. But the letter that I receive, I received a beautiful handwritten letter this week, two pages long. And that letter brought me to tears. And I'm like, it's worth it. And I get those in all kinds of formats, whether it's through email or meeting people in person. For one per, it's worth it. And I keep carrying on. And this is the heart of Yahusha. And it's with all of you out there, all of us here, that one person that you meet in the grocery store, that one word that you say, you don't know if that word turns somebody back from suicide, from whatever it was that they were going to do. You don't know. So we continue to look for that one sheep because that's worth it all because that's kingdom stuff, isn't it? That is kingdom stuff. Yahushua is sweeping the house. What man wouldn't sweep his house if he'd lost something of great importance? Yahushua is sweeping the house for the lost ten tribes. Look at Luke chapter 15 verse 8. What woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she loses one piece, notice it's a woman who loses her jewelry here. It's not talking about a man, all right? I'm kidding, I'm kidding, all right? Nobody's laughing. <laughs> Nobody's laughing at that one. What woman having ten pieces of silver, if she loses one piece, you see, you don't know if I'm actually preaching and being serious and trying to give you a sowed message or just playing sillies. If she loses one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she's found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace that I have lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the heavenly Malachim of Yahuwah over one sinner who repents. So Yahushua is sweeping the house for the lost ten tribes of Israel. How many pieces of silver? Ten pieces of silver. How many tribes exiled into the nation that the call and vision of Ezekiel is saying, bring back, bring back, bring back. Because Yahushua, he died not so that we could continue in paganism, but he died for both houses of Israel. Look at John chapter 11, verse 47. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, and they said, what do we do? For this man, he does many signs. If we just leave him alone, all men may believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away our position. They will take away our temple and our nation. That's Jewish Israel. And one of them named Caiaphas, being high priest that same year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is better for us, listen to this, that one man should die for the people than for the entire nation, that's Jewish Israel, to perish. And this he spoke, not by himself, but being high priest that year, he actually prophesied that Yahushua should die for that nation. And not for that nation only, but that he also should, here's the kicker, gather together into Echad, one, the Benai Elohim, the children of Elohim, who are where? Scattered abroad. This is kingdom mentality here. This is the vision. This is the vision. Now, 
you may say, I've, I've read the whole New Testament. I don't know what you're talking about. It's everywhere. This whole, whole biblical reality that Ezekiel has got a vision about and is now prophesying is about regathering that which was lost from the nations in by the redemptive work of Yahushua. And all you have to do is repent, change direction, and come back into your father's house. Look at John chapter 12, verse 20. How come we've got Ephraim, which in the New Testament often is translated as the Greeks, how come we have Ephraim keeping the feasts of Yahuwah if they were just Greeks? John 12, 20. And there were certain Greeks and others among them who came up to worship Yahuwah at the Moed. Because they weren't Greeks in a literal sense. They were the house of Ephraim that had been scattered into the Grecian area or into the nations. And they were being regathered at that time. Because coming together around the feasts, the Moedim, is the restoration work at its finest. And we get to see that in our lives. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 5. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under the heavens. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and they were perplexed. They were confused because every man heard them speaking in his own language. So remember in the previous teaching we just did as I came off of Sukkot, we were talking about the building anointing and speaking in tongues. There is a distinction between the tongues of men and the tongues of Malachim, the tongues of angels. Here in Acts chapter 2, we obviously have the tongues of men. They heard them in their own language. This is the tongues of men. So there is a distinction. But to eradicate the tongues of angels, just because you do see scripture that supports the tongues of men, is asinine. Because you have both when you're a born-again, spirit-filled believer, if you so will. If you so will. If you so will not, then you will not. But if you so will, 1 Corinthians, then you get it, and you get it all. And then some supernatural stuff happens, does it not? Supernatural and sometimes spooky. Anyway. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, See, are not all these who speak Galileans? How then do we hear them speaking in our own native language? Look who's at the feast of Yahuwah. Look at these people. This is Ephraim scattered in the nations. We've got Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and those Israelites dwelling in Aram among those whom are Jews. But they're not all Jews. I can't stand it when we get people like John Hagee saying, oh, the Jews have got to return. Um, that's like one-twelfth of the problem being solved here. And that is pretty much Christian Zionism, about one-twelfth of the truth. But there's a whole much more that Yahweh has for us in these last days. There's Israelites, and among those Jews and those from Cappadocia, those from Pontus, and also Asia Minor, from um, Figria, Pamphylia, in Mitzrayim, and in other parts of Libya near Cyrene, and Jews and strangers from the Roman providence, and those that, of course, are Yah-fearers, those devout in the nations that were fearers of Yah, devout men. These are all at the feast of Yahuwah. There's Cretes, there's Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongues and wonderful works of Yahuwah. This is the vision of Ezekiel coming true because what has happened? What Ezekiel failed to do, not because Ezekiel wasn't anointed, but Ezekiel could not do the work of redemption that would change the heart of man. And their hearts were hardened and stubborn and stiff-necked like they were in the wilderness. 
it took the work of Yahusha and then the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to bring forth this restoration and redemption. And all that to say this, there are five things that the great shepherd seeks to accomplish. Number one, where there's weakness, he looks for you to be strengthened. Where there's weakness, he wants us to be strengthened. He does not want to leave us in a weakened state in the nations. And even if you're super strong and you think that you're super strong, these nations, they wear us down if we're believers. If we're believers, they wear us down. No matter of our economic status or non-status, whatever it may be, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, these nations weaken us and they wear us down. And that's why he wants to deliver us from the exile. Because it's not natural for us to be out here. Because we've got everything in the culture fighting against the devout inner man that wants to be in the culture of Yahuwah. Number two, where there's illness, the great shepherd looks for his sheep to be healed. He wants you to use wisdom. When you buy toothpaste, use wisdom. When you turn the tap on and you drink water, use some wisdom. When you buy your groceries, use some wisdom. I understand it's expensive to buy organic, but then time to get out a shovel and start planting some heirloom seeds, right? He wants us to be healthy, but we also have to steward that. We can't be drinking, um, what is that drink that all the young people drink now? Monster Red Bull. We can't be banging that stuff back and then be like, oh man, oh, my adrenal glands are all messed up. Well, yeah. What did you have for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Oh, Red Bull. Um, then I had a monster. Uh, uh, and then I had uh, uh, some chew. Uh, and uh, then I was vaping. And this is what I have to deal with with my students. I literally had a student pass out. They picked her up, walked her down, put her in a car, took her to the ER. And then finally, a day later, I'm like, okay, come in my office. We sit down. We have a chat. I said, let's analyze the situation. What was going on? Do we have a serious medical problem here? I've got, I've got, got to document in your school student record for future events. Turned out the girl hadn't had breakfast except for a Red Bull, hadn't had lunch except for a monster, was on um, antidepressants and had double-dosed on that, and was outside vaping with high nicotine. Uh, this is something that we can, we can solve this problem very easily. With, you know, some oatmeal and a banana. So we have to take responsibility and we can't just say, oh, well, you know. This is the father saying, yes, where there's illness, Yahuwah looks for them to be healed. But sometimes people want to play the blame game rather than taking personal responsibility. Number three, where there are wounds or brokenness, he looks for them to be bound up. That's why I'm committed to putting on the feasts the three pilgrimage feasts at Torah to the tribes, because this to me is the most important work that there is for me ahead. Number four, where the sheep are disobedient, he looks for them to be brought back. And number five, where the sheep are lost, he wants them to be sought. These are the five great works of the principal shepherd. Look what it says in Hebrews Chapter 13, verse 20. Turn there, if you will. And this is not floridated, see? Making a wise decision here. And it is in glass. And it's got tangerine and lemongrass. It's a good decision. Now may the Elohim of Shalom, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the everlasting covenant. 
is this connected to the vision of Ezekiel? That Ezekiel, though he willed it and was an anointed prophet of Yahuwah, he could not touch the heart of man. That is the work of the Yahusha, the Savior, but it's an everlasting covenant of our Savior, Yahusha. You see, at the three annual pilgrimage feasts, I truly believe that we will witness more and more. And we got to taste this for the first time this year. We just got to see a glimpse of it. More and more of how Yahusha is fulfilling this through us, through you, through his body, together as Echad at the Moadim, at the feasts. So this is a great section of the vision. But now we go on to another section of the vision that we all know very well, but this has been perverted by those false shepherds in the nations. And of course now we're going to look at chapter 37. This is still part of Ezekiel's 10th vision. And this, of course, is them dry bones. They're going to live. Them dry bones, they're going to live. And many commentators spiritualize the passage of the dry bones. And in this section of the vision, I want to succinctly give you 10 reasons and revelations to them dry bones. 10 reasons and revelations to them dry bones. Because the intricate subject of this passage is the whole house of Israel. The end result, according to the passage, is this, that I will put my ruach within you and you will come to life and I will place you on your own land. So we're going to look now at 10 reasons and revelations to the dry bones. Ezekiel 34, excuse me, through 39 are where we're going to find this power-packed vision with a unified declaration and definition of who the house of Israel is. Who's the house of Israel? We are. We are. We are the house of Israel. And why we are scattered and what it looks like when we are regathered in these last days. Number one, Ezekiel 34, 1 through 10, the charge is against the shepherds of Israel who were expected to know who Israel is, right? How many pastors know who Israel is? They're like, oh, even Chuck Hagen, these famous pastors, they're like, oh yeah, Israel, and that little piece of land over there in the Middle East, you know, the Ashkenazis. No, that's not Israel. But if you think that's Israel, then you are going to mislead the sheep whether it be unintentionally or willfully, only Yahuwah knows that. I have my opinion. Israel's been scattered. And the shepherds are held responsible for not searching, for not gathering in the flock. So the first thing that we're going to see here, the first reason and the first revelation, number one, who is Israel? When we begin to ask that question and through seeking the word find that answer that's the first step in our return it's a paradigm shift isn't it when you realize that you are israel you're part of the tribe scattered in the nations or you're a sojourner that joins in and grafts into israel and wants to return back to the things of yahuwah number one that's the first reason and revelation number two Ezekiel 34, verses 11 through 31, Yahuwah makes the declaration that he himself will search for my sheep and will set my servant David, i.e. the blessed son, over them. So Yahuwah is going to look for you. He can find you in the most despicable places. And he's willing to go even into those places and get you out. And you'll be so full of shame. But then he'll put his servant, David, over you and he will bind you up. And he will bind you up and he will lead you out of those places. 
When you expect to be judged because you've been found in such shame, you realize that you're being loved. And Yahushua, because he places, he doesn't just leave himself over you, but he actually places the blessed son over you. Because Yahweh, yes, one of his attributes is judgment, and we do deserve judgment. But another attribute is what? Loving kindness and mercy. That's the work of the Son that then binds us up, binds us up because he sets my servant David over you. Recounting, of course, recounting the past promises made to Israel with the blessed hope of the gathering of the sheep and their being placed on the mountains of Israel. Verse 31 clearly declares that the sheep are men of which Yahushua later expands upon in Matthew 15 verse 24. So the second revelation and reason is Yahweh will regather sheep as men from the pagan nations. That's reason number two. Number three, we'll find it in Ezekiel chapter 35, verses 1 through 15. Now this section is a summons with severe penalties against Edom and Mount Seir. Now, of course, this is Esau and his descendants. Who's Esau and his descendants today? This migrant caravan, of course, Islam. And verse 5 specifically delineates this time period as what time period? The time of their calamity at the end of the punishment at the end. Let me rephrase that. The time of their calamity at the time of punishment at the end. Now verse 10 in Ezekiel 35 goes on to explain that Edom has spoken against and ravished two nations and two lands. And then in verse 15, it's clarified that Edom rejoiced over the inheritance of the house of Israel. So the third reason and revelation is what? Islam and the Islamic states will in fact come under Yahweh's strict judgment for their treatment of the people of the book, as the Quran calls the followers of Yahushua and the true Jews. They will receive a strict judgment for their treatment of the people of the book, as the Quran states that we are. Number four, the fourth reason and revelation comes to us in Ezekiel 36, verses 1 through 15. Ezekiel is commanded to prophesy blessings to the mountains, especially those blessings involving the return. Come back, my people, return, verse 8. And most especially in verse 10, the people that return, my people, are identified as the house of Israel. Now, here's where religion gets totally lost. Now, both Christian, Christianity and Judaism have little understanding of who the house of Israel is because they're blind to the biblical distinction, the division between the house of Israel and the house of Judah. So, number four is actually two-part. A, all Jews are Israelites, but not all Israelites are Jews. And B, Israel, I know this is hard for a lot of you, Israel is not defined as that slice of land, that state in the middle of the east in the Bible. No, Israel is a whole 12 tribe house of multi-ethnic people gathered together in Yahushua. That's biblical Israel. It hasn't happened yet, but it's starting right now by the hand of the principal shepherd. And it starts with the three pilgrimage feasts. That's where the gathering starts. So now we're on to number five. The fifth reason and revelation of these dry bones is Moshe, Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 16 through 21. 
in this section of the vision, the house of Israel is clearly identified as the northern kingdom or Ephraim that defiled the land with their ways and deeds like the uncleanness of a woman in her impurity. So this is talking about a ritual state of defilement. Verse 19 reminds us that the house of Israel, Ephraim, the northern kingdom, was scattered because why? Because they were stiff-necked, they were unrepentant in their idolatry, just as Yahuwah had promised in the book of the law. He said in the book of the law, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 64, that judgment would come upon them if they did not repent of their stiff-necked ways and their idolatry. So now they're getting what? The blessings or the curses? They are getting the curses right now as they're by the river Chebar. But many forget Yahuwah promised to take not my people, Hosea 1.9, and make them again my people, Hosea 2.23. They forget that. The whole book of Hosea is about the restoration of the house of Israel to Yahuwah and the house of Judah. So the fifth reason and revelation for this vision is the restoration of the two houses of Israel. It's part of the blood redemption work of Yahusha. So now we're on to number six, Ezekiel 36, verses 22 through verse 38. Now, Yahweh begins to expand at this point upon the fact that not only was he going to restore the house of Israel, but the reasons to why he's going to do it is because he's going to vindicate the holiness of my great name. Yahweh wants to broadcast his name and vindicate the holiness of his great name. But how can we vindicate the holiness, the set-apartness of Yahweh's great name if we're calling him the Lord or God? What God? The one on the back of my money? I mean, what God? There are many gods. There are many lords. But there is only one Yod Hey Wah however you pronounce that. Yahweh, Yahuwah, Yahuwah, Yahweh. Many different pronunciations. And then Yahuwah will return and his son will return and he'll say, You all got it wrong. This is actually how you pronounce it. It's the Yod Hey Wah It's Yahuwah's true divine name. We got to broadcast it. He'll figure out the pronunciation. Just broadcast that name. Broadcast it, but don't replace it with a title of a British land agent, please. That's offensive to Yahuwah and to British land agents. Because Yahuwah says, if he doesn't restore the house of Israel and bring them back into the land and make them again prosper and walk according to his statutes and ordinances, then what? then he's not Yahuwah and he's not good for his word. So this return is going to happen no matter what the antinomian teachers say. Because Yahuwah is good for his word and he is not going to leave us exiled in the pagan nations. It just can't happen because he is true to his word. This is the same charge that Moshe used back in the Torah, back in the wilderness. In verse 25 to 28 it says this, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all of your filthiness and from all of your idols. So true redemption. We know that Yahweh is working in our lives when the Holy Spirit convicts us and should always be convicting us of filthiness and idols in our life. And I know when I was 20 to 24, when I first got saved, the filthiness and the idols were so apparent anybody can see it. It was so out there. But now, all of these years later, there's still filthiness and idols that Yahweh wants, but it's, 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 it's harder to find. It, it could be just things that we don't even realize, but it's always going to be there because he's going to want to refine and refine and refine and refine. 
more and more and more. And what you thought, those big things that have been far gone and delivered, now he wants to go even deeper with you and deeper. And when you let them go and you give them up, then guess what? Then you get closer to Yahweh, you get more revelation, you get more shalom. But it's an always going to be a work. You know, some of the things that you've had to do recently, like, oh man, that's... But you realize it, yeah, it's time to let this go. It's been a friend to me for a long time. But I have a friend that's closer, a friend like a brother. I've got to let this stuff go. It's time to do that. And there's seasons when we just have to let that stuff go. Those habits, those pastimes, those comforts, those familiar things could be just the way we speak to people, the way we look at people, the way we react. It's all part of this cleansing because ultimately I'm going to give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my ruach, my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave to your fathers so you will be my people and I will be your Elohim. So the sixth thing is this. The clean water of the Bible is supposed to convict us of unclean living and the Holy Spirit will cleanse us of our idols and lead us back into the covenant community of Yahweh. Number seven now is Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. The reason and revelation of Ezekiel's dry bones coming together vision is this. The vision that starts in verse 11. These bones, they're identified as the whole house of Israel. That's the identity of the bones. So you can't go and take this and make it into some pagan syncretistic church service. No, the bones are the whole house of Israel. No replacement theology here. The house of Israel and the house of Judah, the two groups or entities laid out in the new covenant and of course by the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 31, 31. The prophecy explains that he'll bring this group, the my people, into the land of Israel, verse 12, and that he'll put my spirit within you, within you, a direct reference back to chapter 36, verse 27. And here's the kicker. I love this. Here's the kicker. Which both side of the aisles, they miss this. If the spirit of Yahweh dwells in you, then you'll walk according to his statutes and ordinances written in the Torah of Moshe. It's a return to covenant Torah if his spirit and his truth dwells within you. It's two part. People just want, oh, I'll just take that part. Oh, I'll just, no. It's a complete meal, just like it's a complete restoration. It's not just the Jews that are coming back. And that's what people want to do. They just want to take pieces. Oh, well, oh yeah, we love the Torah. Oh, but we're not going to do that bit. Oh, no, we're not going to do... Well, the only way that you can divide the Torah legally according to the Bible, is if you understand that there is a transference under priesthood. That's the only legal division of Torah because it's actually laid out, Genesis 49.10, in the Torah. But that otherwise, if you don't take that transference, then you've got to do it all or you're a hypocrite. And that's why this whole one book theory is a bunch of nonsense because the one book adherence they don't adhere to one book. They don't stone their children. They don't build, build parapets on their, on their roof. And you shouldn't be stoning your children. I mean, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, but if you're going to do it all, do it all unless you take the legal opt-out transference clause and that's the only one in there. Hebrews 7.11, Genesis 49.10. It happened when Shiloh Mashiach came. Does that make sense? That's the only clause that's legal, the rest is man-made doctrine. So I take the legal clause of the Book of the Covenant Torah and we do everything in the Book of the Covenant. Everything. 
from Genesis 1 all the way through to Exodus 24:11, And then there's a lot more information in the book of the law that we can study to show ourselves approved because all the word of scripture is for reproof, doctrine, admonition and teaching, correct? But that doesn't mean that the whole of the Torah or the whole of the Bible is Torah. Not the whole of the Bible is covenant, but it is all Yahweh's inspired word that is good for our edification and teaching. Does that make sense? So the sixth thing is Yahweh is going to clean us up through his word. And the seventh thing is the single most qualification for the dry bones who rise is that they will return to covenant Torah and they will follow the Malkitzedic shepherd of Israel. The only way this can happen, of course, is if you're found by the good shepherd himself, who is the righteous king, the Malkitzedic of his flock. That's what gives me comfort. And whatever we were doing before, whatever it was we were doing before, whatever the house of Israel was doing before, we were disqualified as unclean, as a woman in her cycle. And it's a charge levied because we were not walking in his covenant commandments. We have to declare this message to both sides of the aisle that to be clean before Yahuwah, we must be walking in his Torah, his Malkitzedic covenant Torah. Not lawlessness, but we're not supposed to return to the Levitical statutes and ordinances either. It's that narrow way of covenant reality. Number eight, the eighth revelation and reason for Ezekiel's dry bones vision comes to us from chapter 37, verses 15 through 23. It's that two-stick prophecy again. Both sides of the aisle, again, try to avoid it, is due to not comprehending its prophetic implication in these last days. The house of Ephraim or Joseph and the house of Judah will be joined one to another and they will become one in the principal shepherd's hand. Verse 22 says, they will no longer be two kingdoms. They will no longer be two nations. So the eighth reason and revelation is this. Who are the two kingdoms today? Who are the two kingdoms today? The regal house of Judah, the true Jews, and the house of Ephraim scattered in the nations. That's the truth. Now we get to the ninth vision and revelation of the dry bones, Ezekiel 37, verses 24 through 28. My servant David, he will be king over them, And they will have one shepherd and they will walk in my ordinances and keep my statutes and observe them forever and everlasting. I mean, these are key words. Forever, everlasting, walking in covenant Torah and living in the land forever. So the ninth thing, revelation and reason, the king will lead his followers back to the commandments of the Father. And I remember when I first got saved and you'd be at church and it was all singing about Jesus and everything about Jesus. And after a while I was like, man, do these people even like believe in the like the father of the Old Testament? Because it's all about this, you know, it's, I was like, where's the father in all this? Where's the father? I mean, I had, a, I had a, the heart for the father because I lost my father when I was a very young man. And I was like, yes, I understand the work of redemption with the Son, but the Son said, I and my Father are one. I wanted to get to know the Father. Now, the only way you get to know the Father is through the Son. And he who denies the Son doesn't get the Father either. So don't give me this nonsense that the, those who say there are Jews but are not living in the land that deny Yahushua as Messiah... That they're, oh, but that's okay, because they know the Father. No, they don't. First John says, if you don't know the Son, you don't get the Father either. 
You're serving the devil if you don't know the Son. Right? And that's exactly what Yahushua said. He said, yeah, I know who your father is. So this whole idea of dual covenant theology, oh, well, this set of rules is for those of us in the nations. But the Jews, you know, they get this kind of free ride because they're Jews. But they're actually Ashkenazi. They're sons of Ham and uh, sons of Japheth. They're not even Jews. They might even eat ham, some of them. Um, It's not right. We have to have the weighted rule of Scripture, which tells us that Yahuwah is going to only be approached through the Son. And without the Son, the Father can't be approached because the Son is His mercy seat. His Son is His mercy seat where the blood is spilt. Number 10, finally, chapter 39, verses 25 through 29 Yahweh is going to restore the whole house of Israel. And I get to witness it and you get to witness it. And we're seeing that now. So don't give up. Don't be discouraged. And he's doing it by the overflowing of the Ruach HaKodesh. An anointing, anointing spirit-filled presence in our lives which will be poured out on all of us. Just wait for it. The anointing is going to be poured out on all of us, the whole house of Israel. And the dry bones are the whole house of Israel, part of which, yes, it's the northern kingdom, but part of it is, of course, the southern kingdom, the house of Judah. Both scattered because they both violated Yahweh's Torah and they're going to be regathered when? Then. When? When we learn to walk in His Torah And Deuteronomy 30 explains this beautifully. So it is, and it shall be, when all of these things have come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to remembrance in the nations where Yahweh your Elohim has actually scattered you, and you return, you shuv. It's about exile and return. That's what this whole vision is about. When you return to Yahweh your Elohim and you obey Him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, according to all that I command you today, you and your sons, then Yahweh your Elohim will restore you from captivity and have compassion on you. Now, Yahweh wants to restore us from our captivity. And what is the greatest thing that keeps us captive? Sin. He wants to get the sin out of our lives. That's the first step of deliverance. And it's a step that we must continually walk towards Yahweh and put that old self off. Because whatever captivity man can do to you, nobody is going to keep you more captive than yourself to sin in your secret cupboard. Um, cupboard or closet that nobody knows about. You're your own prisoner, your own jailkeeper if you choose to have secret sin. You've got to be delivered of it. You have to. These people that pretend to be in the Bible and do righteous and all, but then they're living, it's not right. Yahweh sees. Yahweh sees. We've got to clean out the inside of the cup because Yahweh tells us that He wants to deliver us from captivity. He wants to have compassion on you. And I will gather you again from all the peoples where Yahweh, your Elohim, has scattered you. If your outcasts are at the ends of the sky, from there, Yahweh, your Elohim, will gather you. And from there, He will will bring you back. And of course, Yahushua in Matthew 24, verse 31, he reiterates this same promise. I did not come to abolish the Torah. I did not come to abolish the prophets. Not one jot, not one tittle, until heaven and earth will pass away. He will send forth his angels, And there will be brought forth a great shofar and they will gather together his elect from the four winds and one end of the sky to the other. Right? So the tenth 
reason and revelation for this dry bones vision and prophecy is this. Who are the dry bones? They are the ones spoken of in the apocalypse revelation. Those who have the testimony of the good shepherd and keep the commandments. This is the Malkitzedic remnant, the statutes that Yahuwah has done in covenant through his Malkitzedic son. Yes, we've been scattered to the ends of the earth. Yes, we've been drowning in the nations. But Yahuwah has a plan. He hasn't forgotten you in the exile. He hasn't forgotten me in the exile. These are the ones you and I spoken about in the Apocalypse Revelation when we awaken to the words of Scripture. And when Yahweh says forever, that means forever. Then we know that we're at the end of the exile. We're at the end of the exile. Praise Yahweh, we can finally awaken to this vision and reality. Ezekiel delivered the vision. He had the vision. He delivered the scrolls. But they were unrepentant and they didn't return. So they stayed exiled. But there we have it. All those years later, Yahusha takes this vision because now he has brought it into fruition by ratifying the blood covenant, by bringing forth the covenant of promise And Paul delivers this great message of hope, Ephesians 2.12, which is really Ezekiel's visions in fulfillment through the blood redemptive work and the covenant of peace of Yahushua. We're recipients of this. But we've got to understand forever means forever. Passover is forever. Shavuot is forever. Sukkot is forever. Sabbath is forever. Our return will be forever. Forever, forever, forever. He will accomplish the good work that he has started in me, has started in you. But we have to do our due diligence, which is get the sin out. Turn away from the syncretized religion of the nations and return back to the whole house of Israel, all 12 tribes, in the hand of the principal shepherd. This is the vision that the prophet gives us. It's a vision of hope. Yes, it did not come into fruition at the time of the revelation. But we are this generation of which the prophets inquire. This is what gives me comfort and hope. And if I could share some of the letters that I receive that is astounding to me, is, is absolutely amazing that we are all a part of something so much bigger than ourselves, but we're all moving together towards the same principal shepherd. Be blessed. I'm safe in my bunker, ballistic concrete, down, down deep. And I pray that you are safe out there in your ballistic nylon vests. Shabbat shalom, and we'll see you when the smoke clears. Amen. Amen. Amen.